This is Leslie. And this is Liam, and we're trading money stress for real happiness. You are listening to Seeds, a 15-minute debrief on young people's common money challenges. Every episode will bring someone new to the table to plant a foundational seed on how to grow our wealth and unlock our ideal lifestyles. We are so, so glad you're here. And today's guest is DJ Podjordi, based in Chicago with myself and Liam, so we're a little bit biased. Uh, but we're excited to have him on the show because he actually, uh, on top of being kind of an entrepreneur extraordinaire, also recently uh, had a TED Talk formalized and broadcast over YouTube about why he spent a year living in a van and what he learned from that experience. Um, DJ is such a treat, so we're excited to have him on the show. Yeah, DJ, we wanted to ask, you know our podcast is focused on planting the seed to help trade money stress for real happiness. What does happiness mean to you and how are you using finances to get there? Awesome. Well, hey, first off, thanks so much for having me, Leslie and Liam. It's a pleasure. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to live up to the title of entrepreneur extraordinaire, but uh, sincerely appreciate the hype. Um, Anywho, yeah, uh, for me, happiness, I mean, happiness is options, right? Happiness is freedom. Um, And, you know, having the ability, when you have control over your finances, um, you have the ability to control your time. Uh, And so uh, when I look at happiness, happiness to me is waking up every day, uh, not being beholden to any sort of uh, any sort of responsibilities that I don't love to do, um, and so uh, that's how I guess I use money and, and personal finance to achieve happiness in, in my life and my career overall. For sure, and and DJ, I I wonder if you can give those that may not be familiar with you just a, a brief insight into what is it that you wake up and do um, every day? You go outside and soak up the sun. What what does that look like? Of course, I know, but want to share with our uh, listeners. Oh, that's a yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, a lot of my time these days, especially now that we're living in quarantine, um, you know, unfortunately, it's not as uh, not it's conducive to, to having a vibrant social life as it, as it was maybe four or five months ago. Um, so a lot of my time recently uh, has been spent diving into more creative endeavors, uh, mostly in the music world. So I, I love to make music. I was actually, before we recorded this, I had uh, one of my buddies over and we did a, a little uh, recording session in my apartment um, making uh, some hip hop beats and things of that nature. Um, so for me, a lot of a lot of my time and energy gets spent into creative things like making music or uh, hanging out with friends and creating podcasts or cr- uh, just having conversations and, um, you know, just things like that. Like I'm, I'm the type of person who lives for that aha moment. And so I love talking about ideas and, and talking about, um, you know, just what's going on in the world and, and how it impacts all of us and, you know, how we can all live the best possible lives we can and, and uh, you know, do our best to make sure that everyone around us is is doing the same. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I love mean, that. super um, relevant, I would say, just an understanding like what are what are little kind of purposes or slices of the pie in the so greater, authentic. Yeah, in the greater yeah. system, and honestly, I couldn't have spoon fed a, a better kind of segue into our, our topic for today. And DJ, I'm really glad you're here to weigh in because today we had a listener kind of submit a question about kind of some of the general global trends going on right now, the global financial trends, and just trying to understand how to navigate them. So um, they, they wrote in, I'm seeing a lot of news about macroeconomic trends like inflation, etc. And I don't know what to make of it. 
what should I be paying attention to as the economy tries to rebound? Um, now I know, you know, neither of the three of us are by any means economists or experts, but as folks that like to be well-informed and as DJ, I know this is like a particular interest area for you. I'd be so curious to hear your initial thoughts and reactions. How would you initially, you know, respond to this idea of, you know, what should I be paying attention to on the macroeconomic side of things? Yeah, great question. Yeah, and, and, and would like to once again, uh, reinforce the, the point you just made. Like, I, I'm certainly not an expert on this, uh, on this topic whatsoever. I think there are a lot of people um, that I would be happy to point people to uh, at the conclusion of this interview for further reading and further resources on the subject. But, um, you know, that, that this is something that I've been really interested in for a long time. You know, as someone who uh, is a big proponent of personal finance and is always looking for what is the best way that I can take my hard-earned cash, my hard-earned money, and put it to work for me to um, improve the quality of my life and, and set myself up for success in the future. I'm always looking for what, where are the best places to keep to, to put my money and to uh, get it to work for me. And I think when you when you look at the macro economic position that we're in right now, and certainly over the last four months, things have been pretty crazy. Would you guys agree? <laughs> Understatement of the century. I don't know. It seems pretty normal. <laughs> Right, yeah. Leo? <laughs> <laughs> right, the, the shortest, yeah, it was like the, the shortest bear market ever, right? I mean, we had uh, obviously mm -hmm. leading up to, um, you know, leading up to the March collapse uh, of the stock market, there was a, I forget how far it dropped, but within a week, I think the stock market dropped about 30% or something like that. It was mm -hmm. the biggest drop in, in recent memory um, for sure. And, and that came at the end of, of the long, the second longest peak to trough bull market in the history of, uh, of, of our American economy. Mm -hmm. um, and so leading up to that, uh, up to that event, I was kind of of the opinion, a lot of the, the economists and, and researchers uh, in this space that, uh, that I respected had been predicting some sort of, of deep recession for a long time. And um, that was kind of built on that, that assumption that we were going to enter a, a, a deep recession was built on the fact that um, we have been in the largest uh, debt bubble since the, uh, since the 1920s. And so um, based on the research I've done, and, and one, one book that I would encourage uh, the listeners who are interested in this to dive into is there's a book called The Price of Tomorrow. Uh, and it's by a guy named Jeff Booth, who is a, a tech entrepreneur. Um, and he, he wrote this book that detailed from a, a macroeconomic perspective, the two forces that have been at play uh, over the last 50 years, uh, one being inflation, uh, which is due namely to the, uh, the result of inflationary monetary policy that uh, is driven by uh, our, the American government's relationship with the Federal Reserve. And the second force mm -hmm. is deflation, which uh, in, in his words, put simply, is when you get more for your money. So inflation is when you, you get less for your money, there's more monetary supply, and therefore uh, the money that you're holding is devalued, whereas deflation is uh, this force where something external, typically, uh, in our example, that, that force is technology, something comes in and actually reduces the price of, uh, of goods and services. And, and um, you know, a perfect example of deflation uh, over the last, um, you know, the last 50 years is, uh, look no farther than your cell phone, right? And so if you, ha if you purchase a cell phone, and this is an example he uses in his book, but if you purchased a cell phone in the late 80s or early 90s, you, you probably 
looking at something similar to what Michael Douglas is, is uh, talking on in, in the movie Wall Street. It's like this big brick and it, um, <laughs> this old Motorola and uh, the, the battery charge lasts about two hours and it costs, you know, a couple grand to buy one and your, your bill is, is a couple of hundred dollars uh, a month. And now today, if you look at your cell phone, um, you know, I got a, a Samsung A20 off of Amazon for $200 and my phone bill's 40 bucks a month and, and I have unlimited talk, text, data. Uh, I can tune my guitar on it. I can record audio. I can take pictures. I can go on the internet. I can talk to people. I can FaceTime. Um, there's all this technology that's now baked into this phone that is now, you know, one sixth of the cost of, of the phone, of a phone previously, of a phone 40 years ago. Mm. Um, and so as a result of that, uh, you know, prices go down, and uh, as the as companies take on more and more debt uh, over time, it becomes harder and harder to pay that debt back because of deflation. They uh, these companies can only whatever products and services are brought to the market uh, generate less and less revenue due to technology forcing pricing down. And so, um, as a result of that, it typically creates some sort of debt bubble where you have to take on more and more debt to pay off your previous debts, um, and I think that, that that starts to drive a lot of troubles for consumers because um, in response to that, uh, the Federal Reserve, for example, uh, has been bailing out businesses that have uh, gone a little bit too far in terms of, of their debt expenditures. Um, and we, we saw that f first and foremost in, in the 2008 financial crisis when we bailed out uh, Wall Street after the mortgage-backed securities crisis. Um, and we've seen that today uh, in light of the coronavirus when uh, when the Federal Reserve uh, once again bailed out uh, businesses um, like American Airlines and Boeing, airline uh, and Boeing, um, who uh, who participated in in massive stock buybacks and spent their cash reserves buying back uh, their stock instead of preparing for a, a, some sort of doomsday scenario like we experienced in March. And so, um, all of those forces are driving inflation, which is. Uh, fairly disconcerting for, for your audience and anyone who is saving and planning for retirement because uh, when you do that and you, and you don't hold assets and you're sitting in cash, uh, your cash tends to get devalued. Yeah. So really? many, so many yeah, nuggets really there, points. DJ. And I feel like I want the listeners to right now pause this show, rewind about seven minutes and listen through again because honestly, <laughs> there were so many not only kind of in insights from i think the book you mentioned the price of tomorrow uh jeff booth um insights from there but then also just some of the key indicators that you look at dj and i do want to take a second i'm sure liam is like dying to, to get in here but i want to take a second to try to some try to demystify some of these terms or or thought processes in what i call a third grader speak for those listeners that we're like me, you know, about yesterday before I did all this research prepping for this podcast. Um, and, and the big takeaway here, and I think what DJ has described is that there's been a lot going on. It's, it's been a crazy time um, for the world. And that has translated into really, really crazy, um, not only kind of economics. So, um, you know, from a national perspective, like GDP and unemployment, but also um, financial kind of issues as it pertains to the market. And one of the biggest ones is the contrast between how quickly there was growth in a lot of these um, markets. So think about tech, for example, um, and then a very quick decline. 
what DJ is referring to there is the is the peak to trough, or basically the 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 length or period of growth between a, a huge growth period and then a, a somewhat of recession or when when we see kind of a downturn in the in the market and economy. So that's kind of point one that I want to uh, help to distinguish. And then point two I want to help to distinguish is that there are a lot of factors at play, not only kind of what the Federal Reserve is doing, but also things such as corporate debt. And I think where you landed, DJ, was an excellent ending of, you know, how does this impact the individual as an individual? Does this mean I need to be putting my money under the mattress? Does this mean I need to be buying ETFs in gold? Does this mean I need to be, you know, taking all my money out of my 401k and putting it into real estate? And Liam, I'm, I'm curious to hear your reactions too, because I know there are just so many nuggets there and I've only added more questions. <laughs> on Yeah, <my> no, <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I, and I think you're both making really strong points and both, both providing a, a ton of nuggets. But my question for both of you is, and, and kind, of, kind of getting back to this listener's question, I almost hear this listener asking this question out of emotion. And to the point of hitting that trough, right? So, okay, such a steady incline for a few industries over the past few years. And then, right, you have a month where everything's down 30%. At what point do you maybe stick with your coffeehouse investor-esque investment strategy of consistently putting in X amount every week to something like a Vanguard, Vanguard total stock market index, right? And at what point do you kind of let those emotions, I guess, adjust your investment strategy to adjust with the times? Or do you allow that to be the case? Well, yeah, I think it all comes down to what is your level of risk tolerance, right? Um, and also, mm -hmm. what is your goal? I mean, is your goal to preserve wealth or is your goal to uh, accumulate wealth? Because I think... Uh, you know, the entrepreneur in me always comes and, and looks at any sort of environment from from the standpoint of an opportunist and where is the opportunity. Um, and I think, you know, in a chaotic environment that we're in right now, there's certainly a lot of there's certainly going to be a, a lot of winners. Uh, and, and I'm sure there will be an equal amount of losers. So I think, um, you know, the question is, you know, what I think the questions we need to ask ourselves is what's your level of risk tolerance and, and what's your. Yeah. Level, right. Yeah, no, I, I love that, DJ, and I'll, I'll chime in with, with what I do and what I think. Of course, you know, uh, that being so subject to what your personal kind of situation is, but from my perspective, I plan for 10, 20, 30 years in mind. Um, that's where I am in my career. It's where I am in my financial journey. I am not planning for the next three months. I'm not planning for the next five years. I'm really planning on that decade or multiple decade scale. And so for that reason, knowing that there is a natural and very cyclical kind of upward peak and downward trough um, relationship within the market, specifically within the stock market, um, for me, because my strategies are set up to be successful in multiple decades, I just continue to do what my strategy is because it's built in. Those cycles are built into where, what I'm expecting um, my portfolio to look like and to grow at the same time. Now, of course, comparing to what DJ mentioned, my risk tolerance is a lot higher as you can probably, or a lot lower as you can probably guess. And so I'm gonna be looking for somewhat smaller returns but more guarantee over the long run and i think if you're an opportunist you want to go ahead and take a risk 
by all means do it. Um, the only thing I'll say is when March came around and we did see that 30% decline in, in such a short period of time, what was your initial reaction? And I'm asking this to the listeners. Like, what, did you all of a sudden panic? Did you start to have night sweats? Did you um, not, were you not able to sleep? Were you watching kind of the, the tickers going up and down? Were you opening your 401k? For me and to your emotional component, Liam, that signals to me that maybe you want to be risk tolerant, but you're actually not. That, that, that mm. kind of huge dip in the market really does impact you from an emotional and mental standpoint. And that's why I think doubling down on DJ's point of knowing what your true risk tolerance is, is so crucial. That is why it is like the number one survey within a uh, robo-advisor. It's the first thing a financial advisor asks you. It's the first thing a financial planner asks you because that is so much of what determines what you should be doing. Yeah. And, and I feel like we really planted the seed here. And I, I want to make sure our listeners know how this seed could blossom and grow and inspire their own wealth journey, right? So what are our actionable takeaways to help these seeds become plants here? DJ, I can start with you. Um, yeah, well, so uh, to, to, to kind of wrap everything up, so are we looking for kind of from from an investment strategy, like what are some, some tactics? Is that what we're kind of looking for here? Yeah, I think given the listener's question here about you know, seeing these news and the macro trends and, and not knowing what to make of it, what should they be paying attention to? I, I guess, what would your tip to them be and others asking these same questions? Yeah, that's great. Uh, my tip is always, um, you know, the sharpest sword that you're ever going to get in life is going to be knowledge. And so my, th- my thought is if, if the things that I said earlier in this interview were disconcerting to you, um, and make you feel uh, a little bit uncomfortable um, about you know, the, the global macroeconomic environment, I would implore you to all go do your own individual research and learn about these things yourself. And, and um, you know, a, a couple of great places to start, like I mentioned, um, The Price of Tomorrow by Jeff Booth is an excellent book that talks about the battle of these two forces of inflation and deflation and, and what the, the potential repercussions of those are. Um, another excellent resource to learn more about uh, about this and one thing that I didn't really talk about uh, too much um, in, in initially is uh, what happened in 1971 mm-hmm. after uh, America um, and Richard Nixon uh, abolished the uh, the gold standard um, and stopped tying mm-hmm. our currency to gold um, there's actually a great website it's called WTF happened in 1971 dot com check it out but it's, it's got a, a lot of really awesome um, graphs in there. And, you know, one thing that's really, really crazy to me, and I think it, it really ties into, uh, you know, the current civil unrest we're seeing and, and the current uh, trend towards populism that we're seeing across the globe uh, is in 1971, uh, from 1971 until 2017, productivity overall grew 250%. However, mm. comp- compensation in that same time period has only grown 110%. Um, and so uh, as, as we're seeing uh, this trend towards, this trend from uh, a monetary policy that was backed by hard assets like gold, and, and for those that, that aren't, uh, aren't aware, because I mean, most of the audience I'm assuming is, is, wasn't going to be alive before 1971, we weren't alive uh, in 1971. Um, but prior to that, you could actually uh, trade in your cash to uh, to a central bank and, and get 
the equivalent amount in gold. Um, from 1971 forward, that was no longer the case, uh, and that allowed uh, the government and the Federal Reserve to, to print money at an untethered rate. Um, and that has, by all indications, only consolidated wealth more within the top, uh, call it 5%, uh, and has, has uh, kept the, the, the general wealth concentration in the, in the remaining you know, lower 50% fairly stagnant, which has uh, slowly but surely um, squeezed the middle class out of, uh, um, out of this country, which has been uh, a clear indicator of, uh, of some of the, the unrest that we're seeing right now. Um, and this is something that Jeff Booth talks about in the book, is how when you get rid of the middle class and you get rid of the... Um, the narrative that you know you can you have the opportunity if you work hard to do better than your parents you you start to eliminate hope from certain generations and, and uh, you start to breed a sense of, of nihilism um, among the masses and that uh, that generally uh, he, he calls it provides fertile ground for, for, for revolutions and so I would say for for um, uh, and and I mean there's no doubt that that uh, you know today things are uh, tensions are higher than ever and so I would recommend to the audience first and foremost educate yourself and um, use uh, use your your risk tolerance in your your education and uh, your goals to, to come up with your own cohesive strategy uh, whether it's more of a diversified play like Leslie mentioned she's um, she's interested in or or maybe uh, making some bigger bets on uh, things like uh, startups or uh, companies that that you think are positioned well for for the future, or uh, mm -hmm. buying assets like gold, or, or uh, if you want to take even a bigger risk, looking at something like cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin as something uh, that could also be uh, potentially successful in the long term. So mm -hmm. that would be my advice. Hopefully that helps. Super helpful, and I'm I just went to WTFHappenedIn1971.com. Seriously, guys, check it out. These visuals crazy absolutely crazy and i'll just plug an additional educational resource because i love dj's comment um there is a wonderful youtube video for those that don't like to read or don't like to listen they need to see called how the economic machine works by ray dalio um, i've watched this video a, a number of times and it's so impactful so if you're looking for something a little bit more visual to understand as well i love how that video breaks down again it's how the economic machine works by ray dalio very nice good good plug there and the sad wrap of this topic for now but i want to take a moment to celebrate an incredible real growth moment from another one of our listeners hey and this one came in and this listener actually spent the um this is the first time they did it they mentioned in their in their instagram dm to us but they spent their first week of july looking to reallocate based on their goals and their investments and with this episode in the spirit of kind of some of our investment strategies um, this listener just looked at their own risk tolerance and then looked at how much money they have invested in things like ETFs versus bonds versus um, versus, you know, real estate trusts, right? So they actually re reallocated. They heard about it from a resource online in one of the blogs that they read and uh, said they made a lot more changes than they had anticipated. Yeah. So great for this listener to be thinking about that and how it relates to your strategy and how each year, each quarter, each every couple of months how you can be reallocating based on different gains that you've received from some of your current investments 
love that, Liam, and I, we honestly love bringing up these stories because we know that there are so many others like us um, coming into our Instagram DMs, DJ, of course, Liam and I here with you every week. So listeners, we're so grateful to you for joining us. We'd love to continue hearing about your challenges and growth moments. Yeah, glad you mentioned that. Go to our link in our Seeds podcast description or DM us on Instagram or Twitter to share your experience with us. We'd love to help you achieve your goals and celebrate you when you do. We can't wait to be part of that journey. In the meantime, you can subscribe to Seeds to stay up to date on our community as we collectively pursue happiness. And lastly, big shout out to DJ, DJ for weighing in on this topic of these macroeconomic trends and and kind of, you know, understanding what to make of it based on your yourself and your own goals. Uh, but where can listeners follow up with you and keep up with your journey, DJ? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so I would say I'm not a huge social media guy, but uh, if I was, uh, Twitter is my preferred platform. So you can find me at, at the DJ pod. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Um, other than that, uh, you can check out my website, djpodgorney.com. Um, I do some writing and essays and things of that nature there. You can, uh, I believe you can find the links to my podcast, five songs with friends or, uh, recently rebranded as the DJ podcast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, a little rebrand, you know how it is. Um, so you feel free to feel free to check me out there. Um, you can find my email, and you can uh, if you ever want to reach out, it's just dj at djpodgorny.com, and uh, would be more than happy to, to answer any questions or connect via email. Awesome. Thank you so much, DJ. With that team, I think we're, we're signing off for now. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, thanks, DJ. Take care, everybody. Awesome. Thanks for having me.